This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. And um, you were off air. You were telling me, Wes, that while you were in Leslie's office at Lightwork, there were, you described them as physical manifestations that you were experiencing while you were under regression, but she was also experiencing something as well. Indeed. Um, well, I, I should probably say, and, and maybe preface this, and if you if you do read the book, we spend a lot of time talking about a specific being that Wes refers to as his twin. And it is not unusual for an experiencer to have a kind of a connection or overseer or guide that they form a bond with, especially if these experiences begin when they're very young. So Wes's twin um, began coming through kind of in a big way where we could actually sort of speak to her in real time. Um, It was a transition because, of course, there is no such thing as linear time, really. I don't believe that there is. So we were able to, Wes was able to communicate directly with this being that he called um, his twin. Now, one of the things that this being would do would be to sort of superimpose her body on Wes's body so that he would uh, feel a great deal of energy and be able to be quite elevated in in his experience in the trance. Now, what it looked like to me, uh, and this happened several times, is it looked to me like Wes's body actually extended. Now, I saw it appear to lengthen, and he's a pretty tall guy anyway. But but, and then I would see, and then it looked like his limbs were longer. Like maybe his arms were longer. Dramatically longer? Yeah. I mean, and I was just sort of seeing this in real time, like I was being shown a transparency being superimposed over Wes. And I saw even saw some elements of the, of, of the facial features of the being that he refers to as his, as his twin. That which, must have been shocking. It, it was. Uh, it, it was shocking in a sense, but I've sort of... I've had experiences seeing things all of my life. So for me, I, I'd say more fascinating than shocking. Mm. I was absolutely fascinated. But I did see what appeared to be Wes's body lengthen in size. And also I could see elements of the twin, this being that Wes trusts a good deal. And she explained what she was going to do. That she was going to superimpose herself and utilize his energy to manifest in that way. And while she's seeing this, what are you experiencing? I'm feeling this. Um, I'm feeling like I'm in motion. And I was never in motion in the chair. Uh, But I felt like I was in motion, in movement. 
uh, sometimes uh, it made me a bit nauseous uh, to feel that way. And, and I felt like I, like I was being, like I was a lot t- taller than I normally am. Um, my twin, as we refer to her, is uh, as near as we can tell, eight feet tall um, mm-hmm. and quite linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely mm-hmm. slender, tall beings that I hear these people described all the time. Right. Uh, they're definitely humanoid, but they are, they're, they're less gender specific than we are. Would you I say would that? Say, uh-huh. I would definitely say that. So I, I felt sort of elongated. I also felt motion. I also felt a great deal of heat. And at times I felt like I was going to pass out, but I wanted to mm-hmm. go with it. I did not want to terminate the experience mm-hmm. uh, because we seem to be in real time contact with this entity. Yeah. Um, and, and the heat factor, oh my. and there's the blood pressure thing too. That That's you, right. That you now, usually when, pe- when people are in hypnosis, one of the main things that happens is their blood pressure goes down. They often become cold and trance, so we put a blanket on someone. Right, and right. this is this is standard, you know. And um, I do keep a sphygmometer around. You know, I used to be a, a, a psychiatric technician, which is like a psych nurse back right. in the day. So um, I would take Wes's... I started doing this with all my experiencers, by the way. I would take Wes's blood pressure before the session, and then I would take it after. And I wanted to know if... If people were recounting these experiencer things and had this kind of thing going on, would it affect blood pressure? And what I found was his blood pressure was always very elevated after the session, right after it, hmm. which is the opposite of physiologically what should be going on. Now, he wasn't stressed or anxious. He was relaxed in every kind of way that one can be relaxed, but the blood pressure would be temporarily elevated. And then I'd wait twenty minutes or something. I'd take it again. It would be it would be the baseline. Right. Were you ever running rolling videotape? I mean, with Wes's permission. We have done that. We have done that. We we wanted to do that um, to see if the camera would catch any of these physiological changes and you know elements that I was seeing if it could be perceived by a digital camera. So we did try a few times. We we got um, some light phenomena. We got, not only did we get orbs, but we got um, a sort of a luminous glow hmm. around Wes. We got some light phenomena, but we we didn't, in all truth, we did not get exactly like what I right. saw. Were you asking the... Your his twin Wes's twin to manifest. Sort of to manifest again. Yes, yes. And did she cooperate? Yes, she will always cooperate with anything that we are wanting to do to validate Wes's experiences. And every time the same manifestation occurs, for me, it would be it. It would always be extremely similar, like that. Just sometimes it would be a stronger experience than other times for no known reason it would go on longer or i would see more or it would be more dramatic in 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 some way but it was always that was always that if we if we asked this individual to to do this to um to meld or to just lay on top of wes in that way she would always cooperate my feeling is that these beings that we're dealing with that, that wes has been working with I'm not sure they even have physical bodies, to tell you the truth. 
I don't know if they do or not. They may be completely lighter matter than what we are. Although there were experiences where you were allowed to see, you asked to see their home planet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you were shown, you know, a fairly normal kind of um, looked like an uh, oxygen rich. It it looked Ah, not unlike, you know, Earth. So you did ask to see that. Mm -hmm. So, um, excuse me. Um, One just playing on these uh, experiences I had where there was some manifestation. There was also extreme heat in Leslie's treatment space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i would often come out of it and she'd be sweating like crazy it's like what's going on here? and yeah. it was a temperature there was a could have been menopause way back then i don't know i don't remember my husband doesn't remember either good thing <laughs> so we were after uncovering so many memories we were interested to see if we could um reach her in real time and i think we did on mm-hmm. a lot of occasions um and leslie would say ask her this or mm-hmm. ask her that and so it would maybe take a few seconds but then a scene of her and her family to use an expression uh, uh would appear mm-hmm. um there might be a backdrop of what looked like a cityscape a little more modern than than what we know of um and my impression was after a few of these sessions that they used to be uh manifest oh that they have, they evolved yes. to a higher level of some sort. Like they used to be, not flesh and blood, I don't want to say, but they used to be manifest. They used to be made of matter of some kind, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't any longer. Mm-hmm. And, and so she's appeared to me like in three, four, five different forms at this point. Ah, Was she the, do you suspect, way back in the first hour you were talking about going to this old farmhouse and showing this little girl around who didn't really look human. Was that her? I'm... Almost certain it was her, uh, which would confirm that she's been with me all my life. And the connection that we referred to is, and I do discuss this in the book, when I was a little girl, I had an imaginary friend uh, who was very physical and very real to me, and I called her Abby. Mm. And she always wore a little, now I'm old, I was born in 1956, so she always wore a party dress, which would have been appropriate for my age. Right. Right. And there was something unusual about her. Her feet seemed kind of unfinished. Interesting. If, if uh, I can't describe it any better than that. And I used to most commonly see her when I visited my, my grandmother's house. My grandmother was a very beautiful psychic woman and she was a marvelous gardener. All I'd have to do would be to go out into the garden and think about Abby and she'd show up. Oh, isn't that remarkable? Well, let's pick up on that on the other side. Okay. I thought I had an imaginary friend, but he was just using me. <laughs> wasn't really my imaginary friend. <laughs> well, we will, in all uh, seriousness, we'll pick it up on the other side. Uh, Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark are with us, and uh, the book is Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The owners of The System are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Leslie, you were telling us about uh, your childhood imaginary, quote, end quote, friend that would manifest almost at will. Yes. At your grandmother's place who was psychic. Yes. So it sounds like, I mean, have you ever regressed yourself? Are you a contactee? Um, Well, in, in the book, I talk about a very traumatic 
experience that happened to me. I was uh, only about 16 years old. I had gone to work at a summer stock theater um, as an actor. And uh, I met a gal there who, uh, I can't reveal her name, she's still living, but she was actively working with the government in communication with ETs. Mm -hmm. Now, why she told me all this, she didn't tell anybody else. She told me everything. I believed it. I think it was because she knew that if I hung out with her, I was going to see some unusual things. And in fact, when we drove back and forth to town, I saw Kraft following us several times because she she conveyed to me that she no longer wanted to be in this particular program, but she, she they weren't taking no for an answer. Um, and I did even see some classic men in black show up outside of her dorm where she was staying and go in and they were in there for a few minutes and then they came out. You know, they were driving again an anachronistic late sixties, like Chrysler Imperial right. or something like that, <laughs> right, you right. know? Um, now during that, um, during that period of time, uh, there was, and we had a lot of sightings one night and I was staying, I, I had a boyfriend, I was young, but I had a boyfriend and I was staying in his room. And um, I, what I recall is sitting up straight in bed and being aware of a low vibration going on, like in these were cottages. It was an old uh, CCC work camp. I can't right. explain. It's an American thing. You know what I mean, though. So these were these were like uh, old co- old uh, structures and dorms where men in the depression would go to do forestry work. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then a light, you know, a light came through and illuminated the entire room. So the vibrations going low hum, uh, the lights are come pouring into the room and I'm trying to wake him up. I'm shaking him. I'm pounding on him. Nothing. And that's all I remember of that. I'm trying to wake him up. The lights are shining. The vibration is going. Somehow I'm out. Well, the next morning, and this is a, this is a totally conscious experience. The next morning I wake up and I feel terrible pain, um, like uterine, bladder pain. I didn't even know what it was excruciating. And I also noticed that my, my nightgown was on backwards when I woke up, you know, buttons down the back. Right. 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 And so the, uh, the bathhouse where there was a washroom was, you had to walk a little ways up a hill to get to that. So I stepped out of my dorm room and I noticed that I had a stream of blood coming down my leg. And again, this wasn't a menstrual situation. This was completely out of left field. So I did go to the doctor. There was a doctor and, um, and he said to me, you have cervical erosion. I said, well, what's cervical erosion? I'm 16 years old. He said, well, this is something I've only seen in women who have had a lot of children. Oh, my. The interior lining of the cervix gets kind of pushed out. And and that's what happens when women have multiple children. Are you part of a, an alien-human hybrid program, do you think? I have the feeling that some genetic material was taken that night, and I also have the feeling that Pat, that my friend, she described to me that she was working with some very uh, questionably agended greys 
who had had a deal in place with the U.S. government since, you know, just after Roswell. Hmm. So they were not very nice. They were, and and I think that they were very interested in genetic information. I think maybe they had lost the ability even to propagate. Who knows? But there was a lot of a lot of abductions. A lot of genetic material was taken from a lot of people up until you know the moratorium came down a few years ago. We don't really see this much anymore. And my personal feeling is that it's a Gene Roddenberry like universe. And there really is a kind of United Federation of Planets. And whatever beings, greys or not, were taking material from, from, you know, Terrans against their will, they have been now stopped. That this deal, doesn't happen now. That deal with Eisenhower at Edward yeah, Air Force Base has expired. Done. The deal's All over. Right. All right. Well, thank God for that. We'll yeah. take a time out. Uh, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. A few minutes remain with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. The book is Intersections. And uh, once again, Wes and Leslie will be appearing at the Alien Cosmic Expo. That's happening September 21-22. That's a Saturday, Sunday in Toronto at the Airport Marriott Hotel on Dixon Road. And you can go to aliencosmicexpo.com for more information. Uh, uh, Leslie was talking about what sounded like, well, the retrieval of genetic material, maybe even some sort of alien-human hybrid program. You've had something similar. I'm highly suspicious. Uh, I'm also a skeptical person, uh, you know, pretty grounded reality. So I tend to discount a lot of things, but I've had a handful of experiences where they started out like a normal mating process with what seemed to be a female. Um, And in all of them, they all ended up with some mechanical device uh, being attached to my genitals to extract sperm. So when it was beyond the point of uh, not completing the sexual act, um, it was obvious there was a tube or something, quite frankly, like a plastic mm-hmm. tube, connected to me. And that's what I was actually having sex with. And you were presented at one point with, with children? Many points, actually. In many of my experiences, I've been brought into a room to, apparent, to interact with what seemed to be children. Uh, there was always something wrong. Uh, okay, wrong's, wrong's the wrong word. There's always something not quite uh, correct anatomically with the children. Usually it was their heads. Quite honestly, they were too big. Um, what appeared to me to be too big. And I was being guided in a room, uh, whether it was with a boy and a girl at times, to go and touch them, to uh, go and pick them up, to go and try and hold them. They didn't react at all uh, like normal toddlers might react. They were just these little things. They were playful. They were playful, and they would run out of the room, scamper out of the room and stuff. But uh, that's honestly, we haven't explored that under deep hypnosis um, to see what's actually going on there. Do you think they're your children? Yes, that's exactly what I think. Do they look like you in some way? I would say not. No, I would say not. More No blonde. traits? No, no Robert's traits? I, I, I actually don't think so, and I, I actually need to clarify that. Um, quite honestly, um, more blonde than anything. Blonde-haired. 
which would be, you know, this is what we see in the hybridization program often, blonde, platinum hair, blonde hair. The tall blondes, they might call them, or the tall whites. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of this, obviously, that's, I mean, I know you, you, you indicated earlier that maybe in a, in a previous life or somewhere life in between lives, Mm -hmm. you gave consent, but it sounds like some of this is against your will. And when it comes to children, children can't give informed consent. So Mm -hmm. how do we reconcile this with the idea that these are spiritually advanced Mm. beings? So I, I totally hear you on that. And it's my belief. uh, uh, There are at least two species involved with me. One is largely benign, guiding, uh, mentorship, um, helping me evolve. The other species is not like that. They're not nice. They're not pleasant. They intervene mm-hmm. in some mm. negative ways. Uh, that's the only way I would describe it is that uh, not that I'm a, a victim of anything, but one species does what they want uh, with me when they want, uh, whether it's with my will or permission or not. The other species that I'm designed to work with or agreed to work with are not those. Mm-hmm. They're much more benign, much more helpful, much more aware of my state of mind, my, my emotional state, my need for sleep, all of that. So that's what I would say. And uh, your twin, mm-hmm. does she have a name? No. Um, she said that she did, but it was sort of, in, would have been unpronounceable, unpronounceable, nothing we could conceive yeah, of. That's right. That we, were, yeah. we were communicating with her and, and uh, I was unable to get to process the information. Uh, about her name, but uh, but typically she would, uh, if she appeared in her native form, uh, she'd be about eight foot tall, uh, hairless, um, uh, almost no figure uh, to speak of, very little in the way of a mouth. I don't know if she had a nose. I don't think she had ears, uh, but she's appeared to me with hair, without hair. Um, she's actually appeared, come into some of my dreams, this eight foot tall thing standing around with the gang having a nice chat. It's like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> right, right. And has she told you what this is all about? Uh, it's my impression it is to help others who may be facing this or maybe not to the point of facing it yet uh, to say you can work through it, you can reconcile it, you can integrate it into your life, and you'll come out on top. In fact, you'll be a better person for it. But if, if you weren't taken in the first place, there'd be nothing to deal with. So I'm like, why, why the abduction? I don't know if you use that word, but why this lifelong contact, uh, aside from preparing you to help, you know, help you deal with it, Mm -hmm. there'd be nothing to deal with if they didn't take you. Right. So agreed. No, I I agree with that a hundred percent. I am of the opinion that you, uh, that a person like me is required to go through a number of experiences before he or she reaches an age of consent Mm -hmm. to say, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to stand beside you on this. Until that point, you're probably just like anyone else in yeah. in their world. It's like, you, you need to go through these things. We need to observe you. And it's been always my impression that they're observing. Is this still going on? Oh, yeah. Do you have any memory of it now? Or do you, does it all have to come through regression? Oh, no, no. I, uh, I would say commonly at least once a month, uh, I can remember something. I'll wake up from an experience that was just not a dream. And there are usually other people involved. And the most the most recent one was probably three weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. which I told to my partner. And I said, that was really odd. <laughs> so when I wake up with that feeling, there's some things that just don't fit even to the dream world. It's like, okay, fine. Do you continue to see Leslie? So we haven't had a session for how long? Oh, no, it's been too long. But yes, but yes, we will, we will continue on. Uh, we both had some... 
major challenges in our respective personal lives this year, but uh, we will be moving ahead with further sessions. Uh, we have now... Um, all the material is ready for part two of Intersections, which will probably be released next year. So, uh, but we're going to continue to work together. I, I, I really believe that Wes and the people that I see primarily are special people. They have psychic abilities. They're here for a reason. And to investigate that reason, it's a lot easier if you do accept the process of reincarnation. <laughs> Okay, if enough. you do accept that, it, it, it's 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 very easy to think that yes, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm in a soul group with a lot of different types of beings. I've incarnated on that planet before. I've incarnated on that planet, and I'm going to help be uh, a a midwife of the universe and go into the tough school, Earth, and uh, help to awaken people and increase consciousness. And as a result of your regressions with Leslie. How are you? How are you faring these days? Now that you you've confirmed that what's happening to you, and you've remembered it all. I would say a heck of a lot better uh, from a few sessions. Yeah. Um, I still have problems with sleeping. Nothing like you know, very close Nothing like something's coming to get me. Uh, so I think a heck of a lot better. And I was able to go on, calm down, uh, do better at my job, interact better with my uh, friends. You know, kind of like you know, he's a stable character. He's understood. He's gone with it. So the experiences have been um, have been looked at, and they've been reintegrated back into your conscious memory, where you can continue to examine them. And it's all about healing. It's all about integration, Richard. It's all about... It's, it, this is a specific type of post-traumatic stress disorder that people present with when they come to me if they have chunks of missing memory and I have a whole list of symptoms that indicate possible experience or Very situations. quickly, how do people get a hold of you at Lightwork? You can always email me at leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com that's all one word I'm also on Facebook as Leslie Mitchell Clark uh, Lightwork Hypnosis and also as Contact TV so you can find me on Facebook anywhere and uh, Leslie at lightworkhypnosis.com Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact Wes, Leslie, thank you so much Thank you Thank you Richard, thank you My thanks to Owen Wolf Ryan White back next week with Jonathan Kahn, the Oracle the Jubilean Mysteries Unveiled in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak of the light when I say in a whisper, proclaimed from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark. Wow, this is quite a saga. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Uh, why is it called Intersections? Oh, I'm going to have to let Wes handle that. That is that is a title that pertains to a very salient experience that he had. Uh, um, the name Intersection comes from a point in space and time, quite honestly, uh, when something occurs. Um, I like to call them event horizons as well, is one of the ways I see them. Uh, but an intersection of space and time that, that 
that was my 1980s experience, basically. Um, that involved an aircraft and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so it's like at that intersection, my life was obviously meant to change. I just had to twig into it. And, and that's what took over two decades to say, okay, I am one of those people who I thought I was not one of those people. You know, I looked disparagingly at people that called themselves abductees or experienced. Did you? Yes. I actually felt strange around them. Mm. I, I Isn't felt that an, interesting? Yeah, I felt an odd energy mm -hmm. uh, around some of them. I was quite creeped out. Well, some of them have odd energy, frankly. That's mm -hmm. you know, and you're very sensitive. I, I I don't know if I would call you hypersensitive, but you're very tuned in to uh, to a lot of stuff. I would say. Um, oh, you know, I did I did want to mention one yeah. thing, Richard. This was about uh, about these stagings and what happens during the childhood experiences. There seems to be a race of beings, I should call them, that, that seem to always show up when there is a medical procedure or test to be done on a child. And Wes, in his recountings, calls them the brown doctors. Mm -hmm. But they never let themselves be seen because they are so terribly concerned about upsetting children or people. You mean when a small child has to go for a procedure to the dentist or for a tonsillectomy? These, for, for contactees, these yes. children, these entities are there? Invariably there. And, and, it, and it's a sort of, a, talk about an intersection, it's, it's a sort of a thing that, that, that comes up often. Um, now, some people have told me that they've seen the brown doctors without any kind of staging and that they are, in fact, uh, mantis beings. Um, some people have said, no, they're not. They, everybody seems to have a different opinion. But the, I was remembering um, one of Wes's, again, uh, memories around the time that he was 10 or 12. And it was an examination uh, at the pediatrician staged thing. Right. And again, you know, weird toys that have no resonance. You know, half the kids are unconscious. And the doctor comes out to get you for your appointment, and he's wearing what was to you a terrifying clown mask. Mm -hmm. So, see, they got that really wrong. They were trying to mask themselves. Right. And they thought that based on their clowns are, their understanding of our culture, yeah. that clowns are happy. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Because there is a certain... I would say sizable percentage of the population that are freaked out by clowns. Yes, terrified. And so I'm wondering whether whether those people that have that fear of clowns, whether they've had an an alien uh, one has to contact. wonder. One has to wonder about that, Richard. You know, which, which came first, the alien or the clown? Right, right. <laughs> Red Skelton actually <laughs> was Red Skelton an alien. <laughs> That's another show. <laughs> uh, uh, so. As you're having these regressions, mm -hmm. are you starting to piece this together now in your mind saying it, this, I mean, was there a moment where you said this is real? Um, I pretty much thought it was real by the time I got to seeing Leslie and the, and the first experience, because it was so out, outside and beyond the pale, as far yeah. as I was concerned, that was a clincher. Mm -hmm. And as far as beyond that, like patterns and things, uh, we began to see them. After a time, there were there were regular meetings that were held with me. I, I call them council meetings, uh, where they were updates to see how I was doing, mm -hmm. you know, to see how, say, the latest download had taken, to see if I was processing properly, 
and things like that to see if I was ready to move forward. Download. What were they downloading? So uh, Leslie and I can both speak about that, but I'll start out the conversation. A download is a download usually of information that you did not have before, did not understand before, and cannot immediately unravel. It takes time. So it kind of bubbles up to the surface and you're able to process in time. Grant Cameron's another one has said oh, downloads. He'll talk a good deal about that to you, I'm sure, when you have a chance to speak with him. He received a big download. So that's, a, that's an information packet, basically. Mm-hmm. And that can happen, but... Yeah, so uh, so I was getting more and more downloads. I was aware of it usually the next morning, whether I remembered an experience or not. It felt like I'd been run over by a truck for no particular reason. I felt absolutely haggard uh, waking up some mornings, and I thought, okay, what was going on last night? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, so a pattern did begin to develop, um, not from day one, and... Uh, it looked like they were tracking my progress mm-hmm. and altering the experience from abductions to more participatory mm-hmm. simulations. Mm-hmm. Simulations, yes. And then also, um, it was almost as if um, as Wes moved into this process and began to release fears and concerns and have all of these restored memories, um, it was almost as if he has two lives that exist simultaneously. I mean, right now, you know, there's his, the dense physical life that is Wes Robert. I don't mean dense. You know what I mean? Dense matter, <laughs> dense matter. <laughs> Here's a shovel, Leslie, dig yourself up. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> That's okay. No, we, anyway, know, we know what you mean. You know what I mean? But so, uh, and then there's another aspect of him where I think now when Wes travels and engages with the beings that he normally engages with and also, um, you know, interacts with a being that he calls his twin that he has a big connection with. When he does that, I think it happens in his etheric body now, which would be more like, um, you know, a bilocation or astral projection, if you will. Uh, so it's my understanding that at this time in in your life now, Wes, you're engagements with these beings don't necessarily necessitate you being, you know, floated out the window or up up through the roof and in, in the things that did happen to you as a child and teenager. I would agree with that very little. In fact, Leslie and I have kind of developed a theory um, that the abductions are something more primitive uh, and don't need to happen to everyone and don't happen to everyone. And mm-hmm. at some point, you're a participant, a willing participant, from that point forward. And I certainly got calmer once I started to think I can participate. Maybe I can get something from this. Maybe I can offer something from this. And, and certainly one of the things that came up really early was uh, healing and an increase in mm-hmm. psychic powers. Mm-hmm. It was crazy almost from day one. This mm-hmm. is the download? Um, that's say the download and the first session I had with Leslie. And almost immediately after that, um, there was a change in, in, in in my psi ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it, actually. You became more psychic as a result of the contact or, and the regression? hundred uh, percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And apparently this is not an unknown thing. In the no, it, it does happen. I, I almost have to wonder if, you know, some of these implants get turned on. I, I think they're really kind of like step up transformers. I don't see a negative side to the implants uh, if people are receiving them, except, you know, some people say, oh, well, they can they can track my every move and they're looking. Well, well <laughs> you have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, let's just relax about that because it yeah. happens 
any time exactly. uh, that they want it to happen. Exactly. So, um, do you have implants? Do you suspect? I I do not feel I do. Uh, we both met people that, who have, and actually one of them had it removed, and mm-hmm. it was all filmed. It was fascinating stuff. Yeah. Dr. Roger Lear. No. Well, Roger Lear, Dr. Lear had passed away, uh, unfortunately, right. or he would have been the guy right. to look at this implant. This was a young lady who was brought to me for regression, and uh, she had your classic thing, the father in the military on the do line. This is often how I think individuals get the intention of programs that are sort of military and sort of ET. That's a great question. We'll, we'll pick up on that point. Okay. Why you, Wes Roberts? When we come back, Wes and Leslie Mitchell Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. We're going to carry this over into hour two. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. Howdy to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hiya to those who are streaming us live at zoomerradio.ca. Uh, those streaming us on the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And just a reminder, no live stream tonight on YouTube. That returns the second week of September. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell-Clark and college professor and lifelong ET contactee Wes Roberts are here. Uh, they are the co-authors of Intersections a true story of extraterrestrial contact, and they will be appearing at uh, Alien Cosmic Expo 2019, happening September 21 and 22. Go to aliencosmicexpo.com for tickets and more information. Now, just a quick programming note. Next week, Jonathan Kahn, New York Times bestselling author of The Harbinger, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and his new book, The Oracle, The Jubilean Mysteries Unveiled, will be my guest for the full two hours. You don't want to miss this one. Some amazing prophecies in the Bible and the timing of how things unfold that you've never heard before. Let me just give you a little tiny taste. Would you believe that Mark Twain is in the Bible? That's right, yes, but there is so much more. So that's next week on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, Please check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the Conspiracy Unlimited button, and you can listen and subscribe right there. All right, back to uh, Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Uh, Leslie, just before the uh, the break at the top of the hour, you were talking about, in your experience, um, the, the, the children of military people, mm-hmm. especially those stationed uh, on the front lines, yes. often are contactees. Yes, uh, I have seen it. Again and again and again. And what we seem to be looking at here, um, and again, you know, this, this is in sort of in the area of, uh, anecdotal information, but uh, many, many clients that I work with, uh, who believe they've had experience, ex- experience or contact have parents, particularly fathers 
who worked in the military in um, often on the, stationed on the Dew Line, which, as you might remember, that was in during the Cold War. The United States and Canada had a series of bases that were far north. I think they were actually located in Canada, but that was the, considered the Dew Line because it would be the area of first response. Right. Should the Russians, you know, lob a, a, a nuclear, uh, you know, weapon at us. What naive thinking that we could sur- survive that. And right. At any rate, um, there is a, there is a gentleman, uh, and I'm just going to bring him up real quickly. Also someone that, that Wes knows who, um, had one of these military, uh, black ops type experiences that began, you know, they began taking him when he was a little child. It was always human beings involved and, and, and disturbing, uh, physical things. They started taking sperm from him when he was just almost too young to give it up in a natural way, shall I say? Um, and, um, you know, array of things. And he was then sort of inducted into a kind of a cadet type deal. And they're always messing with time. In other words, you know, I think we really have, <laughs> we have that technology together since the Montauk chair or from earlier, it's been reverse engineered. We can mess about with time. Right. So, you know, these, there's a lot of missing time with these poor individuals who've been in the military programs, lots of missing time. And then Apparently, once that they once they're seventeen or eighteen, and they make a commitment to continue to do what they're going to do, which is usually a uh, being stationed as part of the Mars Defense Force or Lunar Defense Force. Again, part of our black ops situation, which has been in place for years with multiple governments involved. Uh, then they serve for twenty years, and and um, through through manipulation of time are sent back to a time period when they're, you know, just finishing high school, 17 or 18. I guess one such would be Randy Kramer, who will be Ooh, yes. speaking at the Alien Cosmic Expo. He will. And and of all the individuals that I have heard, and he's not a client of mine, but he did see a hypnotherapist for a lot of recovery. It wasn't mm. me, but he did do that. Um, his story is intractable. It is always consistent. There has never been one a bit of wavering or waffling. And I've, you know, I've interviewed him and spoken to him many times. Uh, he's the real deal as far as I'm concerned. So Wes, any idea why you, do you have a military background? Do your parents have a military background? So nothing military in my background. Um, I have thought about reasons for this and, and I guess that's partly the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll do part of that job, but um, I firmly believe at this point it was because I chose to do it. I chose to do it before I was capable of choosing to do it, before childhood, before I was a young child. I, I don't want this to sound too far out there, but before this incarnation. In the interlife, before you came back yeah, in. Before I came yeah. back. Hmm. Um, that's my conclusion. I didn't come to that conclusion until uh, we actually did what's called interlife hypnosis. And to me, it was just a confirmation. Okay, so I actually did ask for this actually did agree to it. And at some point, I was to become conscious of the fact that I agreed to it. And from that point forward, I could do a better job with it. And and maybe, Wes, you know, maybe there is also a, a genetic element. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my feeling is that many experiencers may be, albeit quite a bit removed, the progeny of... Uh, I, I hear this uh, anecdotally again, time and again. From, exactly. Do you, are there, do you, do you suspect that you have ancestors that were also 
contactees? Um, I, I suspect some of that may run in, in my current family. Not mm-hmm. necessarily with my siblings, mm-hmm. but, uh, but with, with their you? kids. Um, really? This is a suspicion. Yeah. And um, this is nothing new in this, in, in this field. We hear it all the time. I didn't know that um, until I'd come across it more times. But mm-hmm. I think it's partly the fact that I did agree to this at some point. And also that I had some latent, not developed psychic ability when I was a teen. And, and Leslie and I have talked about this mm-hmm. a lot. Um, to them, that might seem like a, a, a beacon of light. Like, come get me. I think me. it's easier for them. I think, I think frankly, uh, when we're dealing with evolved beings, uh, many of them don't physically speak very often. Or, you know, they can, I think, a lot of them, but they use a lot of telepathy. And I think, frankly, it's easier for them to work with people who do have a high PSI factor. And whether that comes genetically, which I believe it does. And I would also point out that Wes is, is, is part Native Canadian. Mm-hmm. And the Native Canadian peoples have been in touch with the star beings since the dawn of time. Right, right. So there, I, I think, I feel empathically, I, I feel that there are genetic reasons why not only, but you had to have the right equipment, the right hardware to do the job that you're doing now. You had to come in with some genetic predispositions that would help you. What about the RH negative blood marker? It's a very, uh, well, the RH, um, I myself am RH negative. Many experiences are, many experiences that come to me do have RH negative blood. Uh, I think what that simply means really is we simply have a, the oldest blood grouping. You know, we were maybe those of us that have RH negative, which is simply a coating right. on the on the blood cells. It's yeah. a protein. If we don't have it, um, it is genetic, and I believe it is a residual effect of having a relationship to that first infusion. That first infusion of of, uh, of DNA, which one might think maybe was the uh, Sumerians, the ancient Anunnaki people. I, I leave that to everyone out there, but sir, they know how old blood groupings are. I should say that right. this isn't just something I'm making up. They know that they know that uh, anything with the negative Rh is ancient in the extreme. Uh, something like um, 70, 80 percent of the Basque people. Yes. have RH negative blood. In Spain, I've heard that. Yeah. So there are little pockets of it. And again, the Basque people are very interesting because they have a language that's loaded with Sanskrit. They have their own language that is not Spanish. They see, And they're, they're redheaded and, and ideally fair-skinned. It's almost like they were plopped right, right. down there in the, in the Pyrenees, you know? And so how about for you, Wes? Blood type? Not RH negative. No, no. <laughs> no, so, uh, so if it's, uh, I do suspect it's something genetic as well. And I don't know that if that accounts for my psi ability for whatever it is, but I started to explore that when I was when I was mm-hmm. quite young, and it's probably like just broadcasting uh, mm-hmm. to them, you know, come get me, come see me, <laughs> I'm ready. If I'm here. Can I can I ask you as to to share another memory f- uh, re- uh, achieved through regression that you mentioned that there was one that was quite quite frightening. Are you able to share that with us? Yes, because it, it was. Uh, more fully recovered under mm-hmm. regression. Um, a lot of these start in the most innocuous ways, I have to tell you. Uh, I'm in an office doing my job in the middle of the night, as if um, that's not something I did, though I did have an office job at the right. time. Um, and then that transgresses to where a, 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 an event is staged, a, uh, a crisis of some kind, an event is instigated uh, by them. 
And so this event was um, someone's coming to get you all in this building, this office building in the middle of the night. Okay, we all have to run away now. And so that's what's in my mind. I have to run away now. Uh, so as I'm running out of the building in the middle of the night, my, my ex, who I was living with at the time, joined me. And um, she would never say that she has any recall of this, never has agreed to that. Uh, so I can't say if she was, was there, but it's my firm belief she was there. Right. She was taken with me that night. So we're fleeing this office building, and then the city scene just all falls away, um, and, and the road turns into a dirt road, and uh, we're in a desert of some kind. We're still fleeing something. Something's after us. Uh, we're running away. Um, so we run to, I wouldn't call them mountainsides, but hills with, uh, with entrances into caves. And, and this sort of transgresses into very military industrial stuff at this point. And I would have never said that, but it just has all the earmarks of it. Um, so we, we run up to an entrance in, in, in the side of this hill to some underground facility. And that's where they got us. And they're brown-skinned people. Are brown skinned beings. I cannot say what their faces the look like. The brown doctors. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. never, almost never allowed to see their faces. Um, so they escort us into this facility, and it was extremely consistent. There was scientific equipment there. Um, there were like plexiglass panels where they would um, uh, punch in commands and things. And then the, there was this a thing uh, shaped kind of like a baseball glove, an oval. And apparently that's where her face and my face were about to go, into this device. And so uh, this is one of my worst experiences because we were both standing there. There was a technician in front of this glass panel. Um, there were other workers around in this facility. It was very sterile. Um, and the idea was we were going to put our face in that thing. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure why, to change us in, in some way. Um, and they separated us. And so, was there any force? Yeah, they pulled us apart. Uh, they literally pulled us apart, and I, I was very upset. Um, I don't, were these military? Who 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 pulled you? They were apart? just workers. That's just the like, thing. Just plain old workers. Were they humanoid workers? Or? Humanoid workers. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I I couldn't identify them. They were a lot like people because there's a lot of physicality at, at that point, and I really don't encounter a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So they, yeah. they, they separated us. They pulled us apart. And I don't know what they did to her. And I was screaming like, you know, uh, she can't be separated from me. And then they, they guided my face into this thing, this, this uh, mask. And uh, what I most remember about my face being in there is it came a point where I couldn't breathe. Uh, and so I was gasping for breath, thinking I'm going to pass out. It was like sucked your face into this thing uh, until they decided to let you out let you out of it. And when they let you out of it, they threw a robe on you and you were, you were on your way to a recovery room. I mean, I don't know if you want the rest of the story or... Sure, we have some time. Okay. So, um, uh, presumably they'd done that to my ex as well. Uh, and uh, they took me up to a recovery room. And the recovery room was the most unique room. It was fully... Uh, I, I can't think of a way to put this. Everything was molded um, like one piece. Right. It was all molded. Like a Japanese hotel. It was all one piece of plastic. All one piece of plastic, yeah. including things that came up from the floor, like like this desk I'm touching now in the studio. 
likewise was molded in and coming out from the floor and, and little cupboards to the side, they were molded uh, in. It was all black. It was all plastic. Did you have a sense of time, how long you were in this simulation? Um, the, how long did it seem? Uh, it seemed like it was fairly close to real time, except I have to say to you, um, there's a period of missing time between being my face being in the device and then being being escorted up to the recovery room. Mm. I cannot account for that. And it's not the first time I haven't been able to account for some time that's lost. Um, I would say minutes, if not perhaps a half an hour. Really? I, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this was done, this simulation? I know this is a, re, a, a recovered memory, but mm-hmm. do you think this happened while you were asleep? I actually do, although I have no physical evidence of it. I, it was very it physical. It was so physical. It was yeah. very visceral mm-hmm. to me. Mm. Uh, the I detail was, is amazing. I was crying my eyes out by the time I woke up uh, from the experience. And you, were you reunited with your, your then wife in the recovery unit? Yes. I was aware she was being brought down the hall. I was lying on a gurney. I was aware she was being brought down the hall. Um, they brought her in. Uh, I looked at her. They walked her over to the table. She was crying. Uh, I was crying. Um, and we're both looking at each other like, why, why is this happening to us? Bang. Experience is over. And now she's lying next to you in bed, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has no memory of this? No, I've told her this account many times. Uh, so I don't know how I don't know how to account for that unless uh, and she probably has some fear. Um, she probably doesn't want to remember, yeah. and and maybe it's not her role to remember this. But it, it, now, Richard, that really sounds to me because of the disturbing psychological element. That sounds like a human kind of thing that was going on there with some reverse engineered technology. Uh, you know, that's... What well, you like. mentioned the, the, you called them the brown... But the brown doctors brown, were there. They were doctors, there. Yes. Yeah. So they're involved somehow. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, I will add one detail to, to this, uh, which is kind of odd, and I don't know if it's relevant. So I got to look at myself in the mirror. This never happens to me. Mm-hmm. In these experiences, I don't get to see myself. In the simulation. Yeah, in this simulation, in this scenario, I got to look at myself in the mirror. And all I can say is that my face was largely featureless, as if it had been sandblasted. Wow. Pitted. Like earth. I don't know how else to describe it. And I thought, I'm like them. (laughs) I look like them now. Uh, That was my impression. And so did my ex when she was ushered into the room. And that that was a result of putting your face in that glove-like object. Yep. Yep. And just to be clear, I mean, who do you think was doing this? Was this the this group of extraterrestrials? Was it military, humans? Who? What's going on here? My, in my impression was it was a collaboration, uh, which happens all the time. Uh, apparently, we work with several species mm-hmm. side by side, quite literally. The military and the species, they have the technology and technique, uh, which the military would love to reverse engineer or hold or have. So do you think this, this scenario was happening on a craft? Was it happening on Earth? Was it happening in, a, in another dimension? Uh, so underground facilities are a common theme. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, except for the office and all that, which seemed pretty artificial, uh, the facility I was in seemed very real, very real, like a hospital or, or a clinic or a lab. It was very real to me. Uh, same with the recovery room. It was I was I was taken in detail, you know. 
as these regressions are progressing and, and you're taking this all in, mm-hmm. what's going through your mind? I think what's going through my mind is that I am privileged to be able to sort of experience along with Wes one of the most remarkable stories I've ever been privileged to hear. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yes, this stuff is very far out, but I'm also seeing A, B, and C clients who are telling me the same kinds of things. So, um, so Rob's, excuse me, Wes's credibility, um, was never in question with me. I, I never even considered for a moment that there was any kind of, you know, fabrication going on. I always saw him transform, uh, uh, you know, if we were going back in, in time, you know, even his facial features would look younger and he would speak, you know, he's, he's a wonderful hypnotic subject. An excellent hypnotic subject and the amount of de- and then I suppose being kind of a detail oriented person, uh, the information just kept coming. You know, he was, uh, you know, and I would ask him, you know, what is the lighting like? What is the, you know, what is the material like? What do you, are there any unusual smells? You know, I mean, I asked him everything I could think of to ask him because his, his, his comprehension of details was, Far and away, one of the most remarkable uh, things that I've seen. Did you ever have to, uh, in a moment where you felt fear, vulnerable, revert to the observer? Uh, I think that happened twice. I honestly, maybe because I'm blocking it out, don't exactly remember the episodes. But we had to do it a couple of times when I said I was afraid Mm -hmm. or I was falling. Um, I have physical sensations. Yes. There was also, there was some uh, aspect of, of pain and discomfort about something that they were doing to you once. And I, I simply, you know, turned him into a, an observer. It happened a few times. I'm going to say under five in all of these, you know, in all of these sessions. All right. We'll uh, t- take a time out and come back uh, and delve further into the remarkable lifelong extraterrestrial contact of Wes Roberts and Leslie Mitchell Clark is here, a Toronto-based registered hypnotherapist. The book is Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. A remarkable story of lifelong contact with extraterrestrial beings and the certified regression therapist who helped her client remember. 
Leslie Mitchell-Clark and Wes Roberts are standing by and will be here for the full two hours. Owen Wolf is my technical producer. Ryan White is my editor and live stream producer. Hey, get on up to strangeplanet.ca. That's the website, strangeplanet.ca. Everything you need or want to know about this program, plus my podcasts, you can access the YouTube channel there as well. And while you're there, check out the brand new Strange Planet shop. Also, a quick reminder that I'll be presenting at Occulticon 2019 up at the Mythwood Event Campground in Gray County. That's beautiful Holstein, Ontario, about 90 minutes northwest of Toronto. And uh, Mythwood, it's a beautiful 61-acre campground, the highest campground in Ontario. Occulticon runs Friday, September, uh, September the 13th to the 15th. I'll be speaking on the 14th, Saturday the 14th. You can come for the day, camp all weekend. For more information and tickets, go to Occulticon, O-C-C-U-L-T-I-C-O-N, Occulticon.com, or go to the live events and appearances page at strangeplanet.ca. Educator, entrepreneur, and college professor Wes Roberts appeared to have an ideal life that belied the fact that deeply disturbing incidents of high strangeness had been a regular part of his adult life. Relentless insomnia, missing time, strange marks on his body, terrifying fragments of trips into alternate realities where close contact with non-human beings took place on a nearly daily occurrence. Wes sought out the help of noted hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell-Clark. What would follow would be the gradual recovery of Wes's remarkable memories, reflecting a lifetime of mind-bending, extra-ultra-terrestrial encounters. Leslie Mitchell-Clark is a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist, master hypnotist, and NLP practitioner who specializes in working with individuals who feel that they've had experiences with extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial beings. Most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapies such as past life and interlife regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto-based hypnosis clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. For the past seven years, Leslie has been the host of a popular ufology-focused program, Contact TV. Wes Roberts is a contract college professor. In addition, Wes has a small company that offers business and social media content writing. He co-hosted and periodically appeared as a guest on Leslie's blog talk radio show called Contact. Together, they currently conduct interviews for their YouTube-based Contact TV channel. Some of Wes's accounts have appeared in Terror in the Night. Alien Abduction Exposed, and the late Bob Mitchell's What If? Close Encounters of the Unusual Kind. And their book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Leslie and Wes, welcome to you both. Thank you so much, Richard. It's such a pleasure to be here and be here at the Zoomerplex. Yes. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Glad to be here. My pleasure. First of all, <clears throat> uh, let's uh, mention that you, both of you will be appearing at the Alien, uh, Alien Cosmic Expo happening September 21 and 22. Yes. And what, what will you be doing at the, uh, the Cosmic Expo? Well, as I understand it, um, often we act as hosts on what they call Experiencer Day. So Saturday... Uh, half of Saturday, it's a little bit different this year, half of Saturday, the morning half, and half of Sunday, the morning half, is really focused on the experiencer issue. So we will be hosting those pertinent uh, speakers and authors 
and also uh, conducting some workshops, as I understand. Yeah, chances are there will be some experiences there. There usually is, uh, perhaps abductees, and we can certainly talk about the nuances of differences um, later on, if you like. Right. Again, that's the Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21-22 at the Airport Marriott Hotel in Toronto. And people can go to aliencosmicexpo.com for more information and yes. to, to get tickets. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking about the experiencer panel, I mean, <laughs> you you, uh, <laughs> you are uh, uh, quite the experiencer, a lifelong, or a, certainly your adult life. Uh, I mean, this is a... This is just the opening chapters, I guess, this book that you've written. I mean, there's more to come here, but let's mm-hmm. see how far we can get in the, uh, in the uh, following two hours. So your, before you, you went to see Leslie Mitchell Clark at uh, Lightworks, what were, you, what were you experiencing? So I had a key experience in the 1980s that I'd sort of written off. I couldn't explain it, and I let it sit and let it fester and let it work away at me uh, until 20 years later, I couldn't stand it anymore. I was having um, sleepless nights. Uh, I was afraid to close my eyes, literally. I was not functioning normally. And of course, I had to keep up with my college duties. I teach technical stuff. So it's, it's kind of, it was very challenging for me. It's, you know, pounding my fist on the table in frustration, um, thinking I didn't control events in my life. Um, so I finally got to that point, and I, I found Leslie, and we started to explore. I had thought initially, let's go find out what happened in the 1980s. And, and that's not what happened at all uh, in the hypnosis sessions, not well, for a long time. Before you went to see Leslie, though, when you, you mentioned you were afraid to close your eyes, mm-hmm. you were having insomnia. Why were you afraid to close your eyes? What was happening? I thought uh, there was something in the room. I thought there was something there. Just a, you felt a presence or you saw something out of the, the corner of your eye? Rarely saw anything, um, but felt there was a presence in the room. And this was at the time with my ex-wife sitting in the living room and, and me in the bedroom. Lights on, lights off. It didn't really matter. It was, a, it was actually like terror sometimes. Did you think initially it might be a haunting? Um. The, the thought across my mind, uh, both Leslie and I have some background in that area. I have some background in parapsychology. Um, I, I didn't attribute it to that. I sort of went through a, a cause and effect uh, beyond a reason of a doubt thing. I, I eliminated things that could not be in my own mind. So I finally came to the fact that I am being visited uh, by, by alien creatures. And uh, through many, many hypnosis sessions that came later and consciously recalled experiences, it all fit into a pattern. And uh, just I, I want to get into as much detail as time sure. allows here, but marks on your body, were there like scoop marks? What, what were you finding? So no scoop marks for me that I'm aware of. Um, I twice woke up with triangles on my body. Um, one of them, fortunately, I got a picture of. It's still out there somewhere. It might even be here in the book. But um, two little triangles as if they were burned on me. They didn't last long, uh, but there they were. And uh, once also with triangles on my forehead. And I came to understand only later that that's, the triangle thing's a popular thing. Maybe not the way they were on me, but it was a popular thing. Did they hurt? Um, this is a bit hot. I, I would have to say when I, when I touched it, it was a bit warm. 
And that that was around the same time you felt a presence in the room. You ha- you had this insomnia. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even pin it down to a time. It was months and years, months and years of uh, feeling uh, just you know afraid. Some nights. Any any strange dreams? All the time. Can yeah. you share one? Um, I so. I've always tried, uh, Richard, to define the difference between what's a dream and what maybe is an alien experience. And one of my criteria, rightly or wrongly, is that dreams are highly inconsistent. Yes. Um, So things change uh, rapidly right before your eyes. So in these experiences, things did not change before my eyes. They were fairly stable. There was continuity. Right. Uh, I could walk in a room and walk out, same room, same things on the wall, same carpet, same everything. Uh, so I began to think, not another body experience as I know them, not a dream, something very different than that. Um, so I, I had one, I don't talk about it often, uh, but I'll try to get into a little bit of it. Um, uh, a distant member of my family, a distant cousin, uh, was in this dream. And uh, I was supposed to have relations with her. I, I must be sounding pretty kooky right now. Anyway. I was supposed to have relations uh, with her, and things in this dream started out as, as normal as could be, as normal as uh, sexual relations could be. And they deteriorated from there to the point where she wasn't who I was with near the end of the experience. She was something else, something not particularly human, and it was not pleasant at all. Uh, so I'm not saying that was an alien experience, but you asked me, uh, can I describe one of the dreams? And, and, and that's one of them. Right, right. One of many. So at what point did you decide, well, first of all, again, before you went to see a registered hypnotherapist, what other steps did you take? I had begun to tell people. Um, I still haven't fully disclosed this to even members of my family, some members of my family. Um, because I'm not sure how they'd ride it out, despite the fact that um, there's a proclivity for ESP and and uh, um, they're really talented members of my family, but I'm not sure I've got the impression some of them would not deal with this very well. Um, so I did start to tell people, my partner, then my ex-wife at the time, a couple of people really close to me, um, a fellow school teacher, uh, and this was way out of her bailiwick, way out of her world. Uh, but she listened patiently and, and let me get on with it. And then uh, finally, when I thought I can't deal with this anymore, I was going on a trip to Europe and I was going to meet a friend there. And she basically said to me, I would want to know. That was it. I, I'd want to know. She didn't particularly believe me or disbelieve me. She was healthily skeptical, uh, but said, I want to know if it was me. So I came home from the trip. I still sat on it for a year. And finally, I found Leslie. Leslie, tell me about your work at Inner, uh, um, sorry. At Lightwork? At Lightwork. Okay, well, um, as as you've already mentioned, uh, my specialty is really uh, working in regression. And uh, I have actually adapted past life regression techniques that are now suitable and kind of the the core of uh, how I approach working with experiencers. So that's the most, um, uh, I should say, uh, both the most challenging and the most fulfilling area that I work in. But certainly as a therapist, I work uh, with just 
with people with just about any kinds of issues you could imagine, uh, phobias, uh, bedwetting, um, you name it, uh, improving their, their golf game, you name it, I Addiction. do it. Yes, Weight addictions. Loss. I work. I, I'm also. Uh, I also have quite a specialty in working in addictions and pain management. So I do all of those things, and um, uh, and hypnosis is an extraordinarily powerful modality. And uh, I, I, I have a dream that someday it will be, you know, incorporated into medical treatment because it is so benign. Right, right. You know, it's a benign but powerful therapy that's uh, five, 6,000 years old at the very least. And, and prior to Wes, Robert, uh, Wes Roberts coming to, uh, to uh, your, your shop, yes. to light work, yes. what were your thoughts about contactees, UFOs, mm-hmm. extraterrestrials? Well, I was certainly extremely open to the entire subject matter, the entire issue. And uh, a big part of that is because I had my own experience when I was in like my first year of university. And I do discuss that. Uh, I, I sort of came out, if you will, because it's something I hadn't even told my husband of nearly 30 years. So my interest was always there. You know, I, uh, however, um, I also remained skeptical as well, because certainly you can imagine, Richard, that um, a percentage of people who contact me about believing that they are having these kinds of contacts or or abductions or whatever you wish to call it, a certain percentage of those people are going to be unstable. Sure. And so it's, you know, it's my job um, as a professional person to be able to assess the individual. So uh, I will usually do that. I'm I'm certain that Wes and I had phone conversations before I saw him because that's my mode. That's how I that's how mm-hmm. I roll. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would have uh, by the time someone comes to me uh, finally for an exploration of this type of issue, I'm pretty sure at that point that they are experiencers, but I still have to be completely neutral. Right. So you're, um, you're, you're in effect, you're interviewing them to see if you can help them or you're interviewing them to see whether what they're, they're, uh, they're delusional. What are you, what are you trying to ascertain? Well, certainly uh, I have to ascertain their basic mental health. And that's just something that one does from experience and, and, you know, because if someone is suffering from a dissociative disorder, uh, they're not always truthful in the intake form. So I have to, at a certain point, just simply rely on my instinct and knowledge and, and, and training and make a decision. And I will always err, you know, uh, on the side of, you know, uh, sending them on to a, uh, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist. Right. And how did Wes Roberts present over the phone? Well, Wes was extremely, as I remember him, I don't know if we've ever really discussed this in detail, but I remember him as being uh, extremely anxious. He, it felt to me like he was extremely fearful, uh, as fearful as what he might discover uh, as he was of some of the fragments of, of recalled memory that he had, which were quite odd in themselves. So he was, you know, he talks about being in a state of fear. I think he was, I think it was, he was in a state of fear and agitation. Um, and 
I felt like I had to kind of, uh, you know, talk him down in a way. I had to reassure him that the experience would still be under his control. Because really, all, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Uh, anything else that you may have heard about, you know, mind control or uh, an abuse of, uh, of the process is, uh, is pretty much fiction. Now, I'm not saying there haven't been um, horrible programs that right. involved hypnosis. You right. know what we're talking about. I'm yeah. not saying that didn't exist because it did. But hypnosis in its purity, the way it's supposed to be practiced, is, is, uh, is not like that. So a person can pull themselves right out of trance if they wish to. Right. And um, I think once Wes understood that what he was facing with me was not going to be like another blackout and being taken somewhere. Right. I, I think he actually maybe had some anxieties that that he would lose control uh, in in my office. I'm not sure I'd have to. Uh, well, let's uh, ask him. He's, we, sitting right we, here. he's right here. Did, <laughs> did, did you have um, did you have any feelings like that, Wes? Uh, so uh, hypnosis was mysterious uh, to me at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was no stranger to meditation and meditative practices, but hypnosis was something else. Um, so I, uh, I think I exi- I put put a name to my fear when I came out of the first session actually with Leslie. Um, my fear was more, what if this stuff is not true? Yeah, quite honestly. And that and that what you were losing your mind yes. that you were delusional. Yeah. 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 What if all the things I had remembered consciously uh, were not alien experiences? What if I was making this up? That's interesting. That mm-hmm. was your greater fear mm-hmm. that it wasn't true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than <laughs> because yeah. I don't know. For me, I would I would think, oh my god, what if this is true? I mean, that changes everything, obviously. But, but I don't know. I mean, what is the lesser of the two fears? Obviously, for you, it was that it wasn't true and that you were losing your mind. And, and so when I came out of the first session, uh, and, and, I, and I don't want to steal away Leslie's bit about assessment because that's critical to this process, uh, but when I come out of my first session, there were tears in my eyes, and I basically said, is this stuff real? Mm-hmm. Because what had happened in the first session was completely unremembered, was yeah. something about my childhood. I had no suspicion, whatever. This had been happening to me since then. None. We'll get into uh, some of these sessions, if we can, uh, as the program progresses. Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark in studio on a special edition of The Conspiracy Show. And the book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Uh, how did you explain to him over the phone what was going to take place in your office? What, what was going to happen? Well, I explained to him a little bit about how regression actually works. And uh, we now know that regression works just the way we've always thought it did as hypnotherapists. But the real-time mapping of the brain has, in fact, proven it. So I explained to him that what he was going to experience was going to be very relaxing and pleasurable. Because what we do is we get that body as relaxed as we possibly can. Now, the ancient Romans and uh, I think the ancient Greeks and ancient Egyptians gave their their patient a big opiated drink <laughs> to get to that point of relaxation. Right. Uh, but we don't do that in, in our Western culture. So I, he knew he was going to be in a deep state of relaxation. And I explained to him that once the body becomes physically relaxed enough that little membrane or curtain that is between 
our conscious mind and our subconscious mind where all the memories are stored, that little curtain just dissolves and you're able to move freely in time backward and forward. And I also remember reassuring him that if we, if he began recalling a um, painful or terrifying experience, because I had no idea what we were going to find when we get in, got in there, uh, that I would immediately turn him into an observer in the situation. And by doing that, we are still able to process the trauma and relieve the memory and look at the details without the patient having to emotionally, physically, spiritually re-experience the trauma in a real-time way. So I reassured him that if anything disturbing began to happen, bang, zoom, he turns into an observer, and I will be protecting him every step of the way. So I think I said, I think that's probably most of what I said, Um, you know, and just basically not to drink any caffeine. And also I said, you know, it's possible that, that, we may not get a lot of information. That doesn't mean you're not an experiencer. I have to know how the person, it's it's very helpful if they're a good hypnotic subject. Okay, we'll, I'll uh, jump in here. We'll take a quick time. Okay. I'll come back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell, Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. In search of sunken cities and weird science, mythical beasts, and modern-day bloodsuckers. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett continues from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, co-authors of Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Uh, So give us a time frame. When did Wes first come to see you? I was just thinking about that. I think it was probably very close to a dozen years ago now, something like that. Somewhere between uh, 11 and 12 years ago. Okay. And uh, so you had been living with this by this point for 30 years? I would say 25 years. And it just got progressively, uh, my ability to deal with it just got progressively worse. And I figured I was getting too vulnerable. And in all that time, would you say that you hadn't had a decent night's sleep? I, I wouldn't say in all those years, but it was common, uh, common to the point of almost being daily. You and, might, I mean, you cannot function uh, for too long without, uh, you know, proper sleep. You must have been in terrible shape. I, I, you know, quite honestly, I think the routine, the demands of being a teacher, a college teacher, kept me on the straight and narrow, uh, quite honestly. And uh, living with an understanding person, although this hadn't impacted her as far as she knew, uh, my ex-wife. Um, so I think, uh, think the rigors of teaching kept me fairly grounded. So your first day you walk in the door at light work and you meet Leslie Mitchell Clark. What happens after that? So I brought my nervousness, my nervousness with me. <laughs> Are you nervous? No. <laughs> okay. And um, so after meeting and, and sitting down, she has very comfortable space. Uh, and, and in fact, I saw it another 32 times. So uh, yeah, we, we've done about 30 plus sessions over the years. Um, so we talked, we talked about myself. We talked about the assessment. 
Um, you know, she's obviously looking to see, am I a stable character, this kind of thing, which was all good. Uh, medical conditions, um, anything mm-hmm. like that. And then how, how the process would go. And, and I think, Richard, like a lot of other people, I thought, you know, uh, so did you see that tall alien? Uh, this does not happen. No. This does not happen, this kind of thing. It's kind of like you walk into a room of your choice, and then you see what's going on. And there's always something going on in the rooms I went in. <laughs> So very busy, yeah, very, very busy, busy in those rooms you've got there, Wes. Right. So, <laughs> and then, so you're, I mean, how do you describe me? You, you put him under or you placed him under hypnosis? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I generally spend for a, for a regression session uh, to do the regression bit. We like to have people in the theta state, which is a pretty deep state of, uh, of relaxation. So I usually spend, Mm, about 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer, getting somebody into a really deep state of relaxation. Now, you might ask, how do I know they're in a deep state of relaxation? There are all kinds of little testing things that I do while I'm talking to them right. that that allow me to know that they are where I need them to be. So after I get the individual into this very peaceful, blissful state of relaxation... Then we go through some, I'm going to almost call them exercises that start sort of loosening up, oiling up the memory mechanism. So first I will do some regression in the person's life, lifetime that is very benign. Right. In other words, I'll say, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I'll say uh, you're going back in time uh, 10 years and I want you to pick a very happy, pleasant memory of that time. And it can be a thought, a feeling, an event. And I'll suggest that it's very easy to do this. It's just going to pop right up. So, and generally speaking, it does just pop right up. And uh, I get the person to uh, give me as many details as as I can about that. And I don't think they're, they're not even aware that what we're doing is we're getting the mechanism going. Right, right. And again, it's very, I, I'm very, very careful to be so neutral. I'm neutral, neutral, neutral. Of course, there's a protocol here. You Absolutely. can't lead the witnesses. No, no, no witnesses can be led. So then we go back farther to, you know, eventually where I get the person to about five years old. And, uh, and then by that time, we're really getting fluency of memory. And even though the person is five, they have perceptions. They're talking about sounds and smells and, uh, you know, their mother's, uh, dress from the, from the knees down, you know, there. Right, right. So we're, and, uh, after that process, and I feel like things are really fluid, then if the person is, um, if if the individual who believes they've been an experiencer has some memories that have some conscious aspects that are partially recalled, what I will usually do is either move the client to that experience again in a very benign way. I don't even really describe that. I tell them where they are and, you know, tell me what's happening. I mean, I'm as vanilla as you can possibly imagine. So after doing this little memory loosening up bit by moving them around in their own life, uh, I generally will move the client to one of these partially remembered experiences so that we can uh, hopefully get a lot more detail and revelations and uh and invariably that's 
what happens. The person is able to flesh out, you know, they may have remembered a few little things and they may have even remembered them incorrectly. And then they're able to flesh out the experience. Right. In right. their own words. Now, I mean, I, the, the brain is this wonderful, uh, at night it can be a movie making machine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it creates metaphors and symbols. Does it matter, uh, just sort of as an aside, when we're talking about regression therapy, mm-hmm. does it matter whether those memories are real in order to bring about some sort of a resolution? If you go back in time, let's mm-hmm. say, let's say someone, you know, um, I don't happen to believe in reincarnation. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can be convinced otherwise, but at the mm-hmm. present time, does it matter though, if you have this experience, you, you were in the civil war, but you weren't mm-hmm. really. And my way of thinking, it doesn't matter. Right. I don't think it matters. No, because um, now certainly before I ever did past life regressions, I already was a person who had been through that process. I had my own memories. I was a believer, certainly, but I am still, I still approach that exercise with a lot of skepticism. And, but one thing that I do in past life regression that may be different from some other hypnotherapists, I always insist or to the subconscious mind that the past life memories that are most important and have the most to do with the right now are the things that the person will be looking at and addressing. Right. So it's not always clear why these memories have come to the fore. Uh, sometimes the person understands that, you know, a, you know, a week later or two weeks later, but sometimes they get it right away. But it's still healing. Whatever aspect, uh, you can completely be a non-believer in reincarnation and do a past life regression journey and still relieve Old trauma. Right, right. This is what I've understood. Yeah. I've come to understand. Uh, we just got a few minutes here before the break, but do you, re- do you recall, <laughs> it's going to sound strange, do you recall what you remembered in that first session? What, what came to you as you started to uh, go back and recall these uh, visitations, if we can say? So I, I do recall uh, parts of it. I think what's happened to me over the years because there's probably 40 distinct episodes and and all of that only a handful in the book but um i i recall the beginning of the process which i thought was quite fantastic uh, because i like to meditate Mm -hmm. so whether you use an analogy of going downstairs or doing a count that goes up or down it it kind of all works the same way Mm -hmm. and so i was getting i was getting very relaxed and i thought well this this is interesting this is not what i thought it would be like and and then I, if I'm not mistaken, the first experience was one from my childhood. Yes, yes. And uh, I had not expected that. And so this was the first I, I heard of it or was aware of it yeah. at all. Um, and, and again, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of two experiences. It was either showing a little girl around a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Leslie has something to do with that too. Mm-hmm. Showing a little girl around the house uh, that didn't know what things were. Uh, didn't know what this glass was that I'm holding in my hand and didn't know what a set of stairs was um, and didn't know what to do in the kitchen, didn't know what things were for. And I was taking her around and uh, taking her around the kitchen and showing and letting her touch stuff like that. And uh, I thought, what was all that about, you know? <laughs> and so it, it eventually developed. She didn't quite look exactly like a little girl. Um, and so the, they don't. Sometimes uh, something's wrong. The hands aren't quite right or the eyes aren't quite right. Right. Do you recognize the house? No, I did not recognize the house. It was kind of like a farmhouse. I, and I was raised in Toronto. This is not 
not a place where I can remember ever being. Interesting. Yeah. So so I so I took her around and showed her stuff, and then it was it was time to go. And uh, we found out through many experiences that when they want to end their observation of you, and this is what we feel they're doing, they're observing you. Uh, when they want to end it, they just pull the plug. Mm-hmm. You're done. It's like turning off a light switch. And, and and I think with children particularly, and because I see this in so many of my other um, wonderful people that I work with, I think with children, uh, these advanced beings, and there are many of them, by the way, uh, even Paul Hellyer said he believes uh, in his experience working with the government, there's something like 72 Leslie, pardon mm. the interruption. We've got yeah. a break away here. Oh, okay. Very quickly, come back on the other side more with Wes Roberts' Leslie Mitchell-Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Stay with us. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. We're back with Wes Roberts' Leslie Mitchell-Clark. Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact and Wes and Leslie will be appearing at the Alien Cosmic Expo. That's happening September 21-22, Toronto Airport, uh, rather the um, Airport Marriott Hotel in Toronto. That's on Dixon Road. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about one of your your regression sessions. You remembered being showing a little girl around a farmhouse. And as the memory sort of unfolded, you realized she didn't quite look human. She didn't know what ordinary household objects were for. And, um, Leslie, you were saying that, well, you've experienced this before with, I guess, other, uh, contactees when dealing with children. Yes. When, when they're dealing with children, which all the people that I work with have extensive experiences as children, it usually goes back, uh, to age three and maybe even earlier, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a commonality there, but when caring beings are, wanting to monitor these children or engage with them in some way or teach them or whatever it is that's their agenda, they will often use staging. You know, they will construct a kind of artificial environment. And uh, that is to make the children more comfortable. They'll try to stage little parties and they'll, and, you know, but half the kids will be asleep sitting in chairs, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> completely turned off but right. these these kinds of um uh, these kinds of staging experiences are extremely common when you're talking about the youthful uh contactee in fact Wes, i don't know if you want to tell the story it's one of my very favorites where you were it's it's the birthday party one where you were taken in the afternoon and go ahead why don't you tell that yeah do we have time for this now oh, uh, maybe we've not. got about four minutes yeah so i'll do the quick version of it um I opened some doors, and I was at a birthday party. And I would have been a teen, maybe 14, 15. Snarky teen. Snarky teen, mm-hmm. sure. So uh, just, uh, now this is, this is, you're recalling this through regression, right? Yes, this, yes. this is a, re, this is a, reco- a, com- a recovered memory, the Got complete it. sequence. Yeah, yeah. So um, walk into this little party, there's a party table sort of straight ahead of me with little goodies on it, cakes and the usual stuff. And there's people dressed up in pristine uh, little party dresses and uh, boys with their little bow ties. But like the, maybe anachronistic, right? It looked more like the mid fifties. It was a little bit. They they tend, they tend Richard to get little things wrong uh, that I've mentioned before. There's a whole thing about telephones that we can tell you later that they always get wrong with me. Anyway, 
Um, so here's all these little party girls and boys, and I, and I felt I was being directed to go up and, and uh, introduce myself or talk to them. That was my impression. I was being told to do that. Uh, and, and that often happened in my experiences. There was something up there, over there, uh, and I'm pointing over my shoulder right now, that was saying, uh, suggesting mentally, go up and talk to these, interact with these kids. And I began to go up and talk and interact to them, with them, but they weren't very interactive. Uh, they were more like robots, uh, most of them. You know, fake, fake smiles as if they'd been put there, planted there, um, as if they were props, automatons. I don't know what to call them. Was it a mix of, uh, did, uh, was it a mix of actual human children like yourself who were just asleep and sort of synthetic automatons? I would say that's correct. Mm. It was a mix of both, which they also do a lot mm-hmm. in, in these kind of experiences. You don't know who is real or who is invented, who's there with you or not with you. And so as I'm going through the party line, I'm thinking, this, this isn't working. This isn't a real party. Um, these aren't all real children. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so at that point, it's like, boop, time to leave. Because yeah. you, you started to question them. You started to make a little, little teen scene. In right? other words, they, the, the, uh, the extraterrestrials, they pulled the plug on the simulation. Mm-hmm. And then what? You're back, in, you're back in... Normally, you're back in your bed. Right. Uh, but you might be in a different scene. Depends what they want you to go through. Wow! And upon remembering that, was there any was there any fear? Not fear with that. Uh, I mean, certainly if there's time tonight, there's a couple of real fear invoking experiences I've had. This is not common with me or with abductees and experiencers. The fearful yeah. things not really all that common. Yeah. But I have had a couple that really scared the pants off me and involved other people. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get into that uh, with your permission, if you feel comfortable to do so. Uh, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, Wes Roberts, again, Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21, 22. They will be hosting an experiencer panel, mm-hmm. and that takes place on the Saturday? Actually, it's going to be, uh, I think, the, the morning sessions on both Saturday ah, and Sunday. Got it. Rather than make one complete day experiencer day, they're breaking it into two parts. So I would say till noon or one on Saturday until noon or one on Sunday. All right. Again, Airport Marriott Hotel, Toronto, and that's aliencosmicexpo.com for uh, tickets and more information. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.